the most dangerous sport. Food delivery drivers are getting screwed again. No news there. Struck by lightning and why are patriarchs so freaking stupid? Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. We got that and more coming up tonight. Very cool video on the way, by the way. It's frightening, but it's cool. It's only cool because all four of these guys survived, but you got to see this. It's coming up later on in the show. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch.tv, and Rumble.com. Hello to all of our audience over there watching us live. We're also a podcast. The audio part of our show goes out about 15, 20 minutes after we're done with our live. It is the live uh, audio part of our show. And that's available on all platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, you know, all the different platforms, wherever it is, just search for The Jay Sheldon Show, click follow or subscribe, whatever it's called on your platform. And uh, that's it. You're done. And thank you. It really does. It really helps us move up the charts when you click on the subscribe button. It's not views. Weird, I know, but it's not views or listens. It's subscriptions. So please do. Don't just listen, subscribe. And follow and like, of course, across all the other platforms. We thank you so much for that. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, they are. I, <laughs> there's a thunderstorm going on. About 15 minutes before I was getting set up for the show, my laptop froze. All my software locked. I had to do a complete cold reboot. Everything was screwed. And it's looking a little wonky now. So if I suddenly disappear... You'll know what happened. Fair warning. Now watch it happen. Hey, by the way, we also want to thank uh, Streambeats. I don't give them enough credit anymore. We used to plug them all the time, and we really need to do that. They are the guys who create this stuff, the music you hear in the beginning of our show. I don't use a lot of the other music throughout the show because this show doesn't really need a music bed, but the music's phenomenal. There are tons and tons of different kinds of music all formats all styles and you will find them at streambeats.com check it out it's free it's absolutely copyright free they even give you a contract that shows and i've had to use it a few times because the idiots at facebook and youtube try and give me copyright strikes and i have to write in it's a big pain in the ass and say no morons i have a contract here's a copy now take off the hit and it always works. They always take the hit off. But anyway, this is some, uh, I don't know, some electro stuff that I've been using recently. Usually I'll use the rock tracks, but uh, they've got all kinds of stuff in there. It's really, really good stuff. Streambeats.com. Check it out. Harris Heller and the gang over there do a great job. Alrighty, it's time to get you updated on our favorite furry little friend. Miko Update. <laughs> The Miko update. Hey, we had uh, we had an amazing time. I told you about it on uh, a couple streams ago at Desa Park City, where they had the uh, the Malaysian Shiba Inu Owners uh, Club had a massive gathering. I, I showed you some of the pictures of that, but uh, what I didn't get a chance to show you is this that just got posted. It's a public post, and uh, who is this from? Mio the Sheba. All right. Well, Mio was there. Be sure you, matter of fact, you know what? Here, boink, I'm going to subscribe. Thank you. Please do give them a subscribe over there because they did a great job. 
This video is actually of the uh, the gathering. Uh, let me see. I'm going to double up my sound here. Sorry about that, but I'll try and play some of the music. This is the video from the event. You got the heart that is bigger than the sun. You got the smile that is wider than the fun. Whatever you might achieve. We talk about copyright claims. I'm going to get one for this. Look at these adorable babies. Miko's in there too, by the way. I better drop this down or I'm going to get a hit. Let's see if we can find Miko. Uh, I think that was her. Look at this. So many dogs that look like Miko. <laughs> this was amazing. There were so many Shiba Inus at this event. And they all got along great. Very, very little fighting. And... They were just everywhere. There were, I don't, I don't know if there were a hundred, but there was at least 80 plus of these guys. There's Miko. <laughs> All right. She's doing great, by the way. She managed to finish her dinner just before we, uh, we went live tonight. I know they all look like Miko, right? <laughs> Yeah, some of them get lazy, want to be carried. This is a... Oh, there she is. There's another shot of Miko. <laughs> this is so cool. Check this out if you can. And give them a like and a follow. This is amazing. <laughs> so many Shibas at Dessa Park City. Look at that. The whole way. Parade of the Shibas. That is amazing. All right. If you're listening on the audio, sorry. But it, it, you check out the video, please. It's really cool and really well done. Well edited. It's very cute. Sheba's of all sizes and shapes and colors and ages. And it's, uh, it's amazing. Very cool. <laughs> and those that like to get bounced. And play. <laughs> there you go. The Malaysia Shiba Inu Club. Wow. I spent a little more time on that than I wanted to, but it was worth it. It's such a cool video. You got to check it out. It's well worth your time. Uh, all right. What do we got happening today? Oh, yeah. Our headline, the world's most dangerous sports. What do you think? What do you think is the most dangerous sport in the world? Cycling? What? Well, this is an article from Big Think, and it's really cool. You're going to check it out. The link is in our show notes. Summertime now, of course, across the planet. Time when many, well, except in Australia, but they're backwards down there anyway. Did I say that? Anyway, I uh, spent the winter hibernating, getting outside, starting to be more active, doing things like playing sports, bike rides. While raising your heart rate and exercising your muscles is unquestionably a good thing, being more active after a long stretch of inactivity has a downside, increased risk of injury, uh, which led the writer to wonder how safe are sports and other activities performed in a typical weekend warrior kind of situation, and which sports are the most dangerous. Uh, the writer says he's personally interested in the answers to the questions because now two-thirds into a 3,000-mile cross-country bicycle trip from Seattle to Washington, D.C. Wow. 
When people I met along the way learn a middle-aged man is pedaling alone along highways, uh, the first question they ask usually is, is it safe? Right, David Wu? Uh, given near misses and one crash on loose gravel, I've uh, since set out a month ago. I tell them my own experience suggests it isn't the safest activity. Um, the government agency, the Consumer Protection Safety Commission, uh, they're the ones that gather data, make rules to help reduce the risk. You know, the ones who say your kids have to wear helmets on bikes and stuff. Boy, you know, I know I'm an old boomer, but when we were growing up, the things we did on bicycles with no protection, it's amazing I made it to this age. <laughs> anyway, they uh, they have this kind of system that keeps track of sports injuries. And perhaps, unfortunately for the writer, the database shows that what he's doing, bicycling, is quite dangerous. Wow. Almost a half million people were injured using a bicycle in 2017. That's not that long ago. Ended up in an emergency room. The uh, highest, third highest in sports recreational equipment category. The estimate comes from actual data reported by hospitals and then statistically adjusted based on census data. The most dangerous sports or recreational activities, according to the data, was simply going to the gym and using gym equipment. I like it. Yeah. I love it. I want some An more estimated 526,000, more than half a million trips to the ER last year. So the number one world's most dangerous sport is going to the gym. <laughs> How about that? You know what number two was? Basketball. No kidding. An estimated half million injuries in a year's time. Bike riders, basketball players, and gym rats freaked out by these figures could take up a safer hobby. Horseback riding. That, by the way, how, how many would you imagine horseback riding based on what it was for bicycling and gym injuries? There's only 49,000 ER visits in that year. Only 49,000 for horseback. Football. Now, this is American football, not football, soccer football. Some readers wondering where does football, which some consider to be the most dangerous sport. In fact, that's what I thought of was American football. Um, where does that rank? Or hockey, for that matter, which, you know, hockey. I mean, they encourage fighting and sharp ice skates. <laughs> um, one reason people are injured horseback riding is that relatively few people ride horses compared with the much greater number who shoot hoops in the driveway or neighborhood playgrounds. The problem can be overcome by using the Bureau of Labor Statistics American Time Use Survey. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Okay, football, American football. Well, that's pretty high. 341,000 estimated injuries. Wow, look at that. Going to the gym, basketball, cycling, football. American football comes in fourth. And here's one weird. Swimming, surfing, or water skiing. For lack of a better name, I'm going to call it water sports. 
Over 200,000 trips to the ER. Wow. The most common types of exercise, walking and using equipment, exercise equipment, going to the gym, basically. Uh, Wow. That's amazing. I never, ever would have thought that. And the one I picked, which was American football, is fourth down on the list. That's insane. Wow. All right. The article is in our show notes tonight. So if you want to read the whole thing, there's a lot of other details and statistics and data in there. You can check it out and uh, and read more about it if you're so inclined. You want to find out more. Just uh, click on the link and it will open up and away you go. All right. Uh, it's not a sport, but riding uh, motorbikes is certainly an activity that thousands and thousands and tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people do, especially here in Malaysia. And a whole bunch of them have got food and things on the back that they're delivering to your house. (sighs) Well, they all got some what I consider to be incredibly bad news this week that they're trying to spin to make it sound like good news. But basically, it's the government sticking its big fat nose into things that it has no business sticking its big fat nose into things because at the end of the day, when the government sticks its big fat nose into things, nothing works. And things just wind up getting more screwed up than they ever could have possibly have been if you just kept your big fat nose out of it. Here's the article. There's a lot of articles about this because it was all over the news this week. It's from Malaysia, but it applies wherever. Delivery riders will soon be required to apply for a goods driving license. We have standard driving licenses here in Malaysia. We have motorcycle licenses, which are a special license you have to have in order to ride a motorbike. And... That's pretty much all you need for being one of these, you know, grab food. It's like Uber Eats, things like that in other parts of the world. Here we have Grab and Food Panda, a few other minor players, but those are the two biggies. Well, uh, this story came out a couple days ago. Food and parcel delivery rides soon be required to obtain a goods driving license, a GDL, in an attempt to (laughs) better regulate pee-hailing services in Malaysia. Try again. It ain't going to happen. The transport minister, blah, blah, said during a dialogue session with representatives of the e-hailing and p-hailing associations, uh, the requirement is expected to be in force after three pieces of legislation are amended, namely the Road Transport Act, Commercial Vehicle Licensing Act, and who cares because it's just stuff that you don't really want to know about. Uh, The bills will be tabled for debate and approval during the next parliament meeting. There's the goofball right there. He's a public figure. I'm allowed to say that, so shut up and sit down. Said the amendments are for the purpose of supervision and setting regulations, and the views of various parties of interest will be taken into account. Ha 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 Oh, yeah, that's funny. By the way, it is an extra cost involved for getting the uh, GDL license. It's like 20 bucks a year. Um, Anyway, like I said, if there's a way to screw anything up, they'll figure it out. And it looks like they've done it again. So good luck with that. And man, you know what? These delivery guys and gals who put up with this crap, 
and put up with us and these obnoxious customers, they already go through hell every day of the week. And some of them are out there every day, all day, seven days a week, trying to earn an honest living, busting their butts, keeping us fed, keeping our packages moving. Anything we can do, in my opinion, to just get the hell out of their way and let them do their job, that's what they ought to be doing. Not adding more regulations and more roadblocks and things in the way. Stupid. All right, what else? We Oh, here it is. Here is that amazing, amazing story. It's from World of Buzz, and the link is in our show notes. You must, you must check this out. But I will warn you, it's a bit upsetting. These four guys survived. They were injured, but they survived. This from World of Buzz, links in our show notes if you want to read the whole article. Four men in India get struck by lightning and survive after standing under a tree during a rainstorm. Look, if your mom didn't tell you or any sane person didn't tell you When you are in a thunder and lightning storm, do not, under any circumstances, stand under a tree. I can't believe I even have to say this. I once once read, and I, I haven't been able to find it again, but I know I read this, that per square acre, Malaysia has the most lightning strikes of anywhere on the planet. Now, I can believe that. If you've ever checked out lightning radar and you look at Malaysia, the whole thing just lights up like a Christmas tree. We have a lot of lightning here. If you are caught in a lightning storm, do not stand under a tree, anything that sticks up in the air, these guys, absolutely incredible. Um, four horticultural staff members in Gurugam, India, struck by lightning while they took shelter under a tree as it rained. Um, in the video, the four men can be seen standing under the tree when the lightning struck in a huge fireball. The first three immediately fell to the ground right after the strike. And the fourth one stood eerily still against the tree for a couple seconds and then falls over. The impact looked rather deadly. In fact, when I saw it, I thought there is no way these guys survived this. They were rushed to a private hospital and all four of them pulled through. They are being treated for burns, obviously, but they made it. I'm going to play the video. If these, it's, it's a distant shot. But if these kind of things upset you, you might want to look away. It's absolutely incredible. Take a look at this. There they are, and here comes a lightning strike. This is unbelievable. Boom. Just like that. All three of them go down, and then boom, the fourth one goes down. That is unbelievable. The link to this article and that video is in our show notes. If you want to check it out, you can look at look at it up close. Again, all four of these guys are being treated for burns, but they absolutely survived. They're doing okay. 
And just a reminder, please, do not stand under a tree, a light pole, a flagpole, anything that sticks up in the air, including you, don't stand under it when you are in a thunderstorm or even in a rainstorm, because it may be just a rainstorm without any, you don't hear any thunder, you don't see any lightning. That doesn't mean it can't happen. This is an absolutely frightening piece of video, and thank God these guys survived. Man, unbelievable. All right. Uh, what else we got? <laughs> All right. Uh, I, yeah, I love this. <laughs> uh, Bassam al-Sheikh Hussein. He's our new hero. This is from Vice. Now, vice.com is not exactly the place to get your accurate news. They're a little slanted. Okay, they're a lot slanted. But this is a true story. I backed this thing up, and it's absolutely true, and it is amazing. A man has become a public hero after he held up a bank to withdraw his own money. Bassam al-Sheikh Hussein, hailed by some in Lebanon despite taking bank workers hostage during a six-hour siege, indicating exactly the scale of the country's total financial meltdown. There's the guy. A six-hour bank siege ended with an armed man being allowed to walk out of the bank with uh, $30,000 of his own money in an unlikely hero status despite holding six people at gunpoint. He's 42 years old. He marched into the bank in Beirut on Thursday afternoon with a shotgun, a can of gasoline, and threatened to light himself on fire if he wasn't allowed to withdraw $200,000 that he himself had stored in the bank. When his demands were refused, he shouted at employees that he needed the money to pay for his family's hospital bills. <sighs> Lebanese people have been effectively locked out of their own bank accounts since the country's financial crisis began in 2019. Uh, banks only allow people to withdraw very small amounts of cash on a daily basis, and it is barely enough, in fact, it isn't enough, to meet basic people's needs. Uh, during the initial panic... Most of the customers of the branch were able to escape before Hussein uh, shut the doors, but trapped one customer and five bank employees inside. Protesters like this woman gathered in solidarity with the gunman because everyone's in the same boat there. Hussein screamed, they're all liars, as he walked around the foyer of the Federal Bank branch in Beirut, According to local media, two shots were fired during the holdup, but no one was injured. Doesn't say who fired the shots. Hussein's father reported to be in hospital and needs $50,000 to cover his treatment. And Hussein also needs money to pay for his son's medical bills. In January, a similar siege played out with a man in Baqa Valley holding up a bank to try and withdraw his own money. By the evening, he agreed to accept $30,000, having rejected an offer of 10000 After he allowed his captives to be fed, he walked out of the bank and surrendered to the police. There he is, shotgun in hand. It is unclear whether or not he will be charged.
When things get that bad, folks. Unbelievable. Link to this story is in our show notes. There's more details in the uh, in the article over at uh, Vice. Wow. All right, I got one more for you, and it's just a quickie. Uh, a friend, uh, Hafiz, shared this, and uh, it's from CNA. It's a visual thing, but it's words on a page, and it's it's no secret that we have an unbelievably stupid patriarchy here in this country. Uh, I saw some article somewhere about some goofball saying that a woman's breast milk belongs to her husband. I, you know, I, I was going to share that one, and then I thought, no, this is beyond stupid. I can't do that. But anyway, just to let you know how bad these sort of things are, take a look at this little back and forth. There is a tribute to this senior lieutenant colonel. And uh, by the way, congratulations to her. Look out for senior lieutenant colonel Lee May Yi at the center of the F-16 bomb burst when you watch the National Day Parade today. And then this moron loser said, it would be great However, we know that due to the nat... I can't even believe I'm reading this. We know that due to the natural build of most women, they cannot withstand the tremendous G-force and the strenuous requirements that jet fighter pilots experience when in the air. To which someone replied, She is literally a fighter pilot, while you heave heavily after climbing two flights of stairs. <laughs> well said, Adi Khalid. <laughs> oh, man. You know, these people exist. These losers who write this crap are actually out. I just, it's beyond words. That these kind of people exist. Thank you, Audi Khalid, for that brilliant comeback. And to this loser moron who made that ridiculous comment, you can go crawl back in your hole or whatever rock you crawled out from under and leave the rest of these us normal people alone. Nobody cares. Nobody wants to hear your stupidity. Stay off of social media. Honest to God. It's just beyond stupid. Oh, my. All right. Uh, you know what? We're going to do our book, but I have to make a confession here. I didn't prep the book. Because of my laptop crash, I didn't get a chance to prep the book tonight. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to do it live right here on the show. Uh, it's no big deal, and you likely won't even see what's going on. But... Uh, yeah, I'm going to find the spot where we were in our last episode. And then I'm going to move this over here and hope it doesn't crash my system. Please don't crash my system. Please don't crash my system. <laughs> okay. All right. We read books on this show. If you didn't know that the last half of our show or 20 minutes anyway, is uh classic books. We get them from the Gutenberg project. We've done 
so many amazing books. This is our 250th show, by the way. Congratulations to us. And thank you to you out there. It is because of you we sit here three nights a week and do this show. I just have fun doing it, whether I get any single viewer at all or I'm just sitting here talking to myself. Don't care. Don't mind. I enjoy doing it. And uh, I know there are hundreds of you out there that both listen on the podcast across the planet and also watch the either the video replay on Rumble or Facebook or YouTube or Twitch. And uh, and thank you for that. I really 250 episodes we've done. Wow. Anyway, a part of what we do is read books. We've done uh, The Wizard of Oz, The Little Prince. Winnie the Pooh, Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, uh, all kinds of the Velveteen Rabbit. We've been doing Sherlock Holmes, and we're almost at the end of Sherlock Holmes, actually. So if you'd like to suggest a book for us to read that's in the public domain, of course, you can go to the Gutenberg Project, gutenberg.org, and check out all their books over there. Suggest one that we haven't read yet, and uh, just let me know. You can either send me a private message on any one of our platforms, or you can write us, send us an email. I read all your emails. I reply everybody. It's show at jsheldon.com. S-H-O-W is our show email. Show at jsheldon.com. And uh, make a suggestion. We'd love to hear from you. All right. Let's continue on with this uh, case of this missing hacked-off thumb. It's just gotten weirder and weirder as we go. All right. Here we go. Uh, Let me just double check something before we do that. Okay, we're good. All right, here we go. I was shaken, but not hurt by the fall. So I picked myself up, rushed off among the bushes as hard as I could run, for I understood that I was far from being out of danger yet. Suddenly, however, as I ran, a deadly dizziness and sickness came over me. I glanced down at my hand, which was throbbing painfully. And then for the first time I saw that my thumb had been cut off and the blood was pouring from my wound. I endeavored to tie my handkerchief round it, but there came a sudden buzzing in my ears and the next moment I fell in a dead faint among the rose bushes. How long I remained unconscious I cannot tell. Must have been a very long time, for the moon had sunk and a bright morning was breaking when I came to myself. My clothes were all sodden with dew, my coat sleeve was drenched with blood from my wounded thumb. The smarting of it recalled in an instant all the particulars of my night's adventure. I sprang to my feet with the feeling that I might hardly yet be safe from my pursuers. But to my astonishment, when I came to look round me, neither house nor garden were to be seen. I'd been lying at an angle in the hedge close by the high road, and just a little lower down was a long building, which proved upon my approaching it to be the very station at which I had arrived at the previous night. Were it not for the ugly wound upon my hand, all that passed during those dreadful hours might have been an evil dream." Half-dazed, I went into the station and asked about the morning train. There would be one to Reading in less than an hour. The same porter was on duty, and I found, as had been there when I arrived. I inquired of him whether he had ever heard of Colonel Lysander Stark. The name was strange to him. 
Had he observed a carriage the night before waiting for me? No, he had not. Was there a police station anywhere nearby? There was one about three miles off. It was too far for me to go, weak and ill as I was. I was determined to wait until I got back to town before telling my story to the police. It was a little past six when I arrived, so I first had to have my wound dressed, and then the doctor was kind enough to bring me along here. I put the case in your hands and shall do exactly what you advise. Well, we both sat in silence for some little time after, listening to this extraordinary narrative, and then Sherlock Holmes pulled down from the shelf one of the ponderous commonplace books in which he places his cuttings. Here is an advertisement which will interest you, said he. It appeared in all the papers about a year ago. Listen to this. Lost on the ninth, Mr. Jeremiah Haling, age 26, a hydraulic engineer, left his lodgings at 10 o'clock at night and has not been heard of since was dressed in, etc., etc. Ha! That represents the last time the colonel needed to have his machine overhauled, I fancy. Good heavens, cried my patient. Then that explains what the girl said. Undoubtedly. It is quite clear that the colonel was a cool and desperate man, who was absolutely determined that nothing should stand in the way of his little game like those out-and-out pirates who leave no survivor from a captured ship. Well, every moment now is precious, so if you feel equal to it, we shall go down to Scotland Yard at once, as a preliminary to starting for Eifert. Some three hours or so afterward, we were all in the train together, bound from Reading to the little Berkshire village. There was Sherlock Holmes, the hydraulic engineer, Inspector Bradsheet of Scotland Yard, a plain clothesman, and myself. Bradstreet had spread an ordnance map of the county out upon the seal and was busy with his compasses drawing a circle with Eiford for its center. There you are, said he. That circle is drawn at a radius of ten miles from the village. The place we want must be somewhere near that line. You said ten miles, I think, sir. It was a good hour's drive. And you think they brought you back all that way when you were unconscious? They must have done so. I have a confused memory, too, of having been lifted and conveyed somewhere. What I cannot understand, said I, is why they should have spared you when they found you lying fainted in the garden. Perhaps the villain was softened by the woman's entreaties. I hardly think that likely. I never saw a more inexorable face in my life. Oh, we shall soon clear all that up, said Bradstreet. Well, I've drawn my circle, and I only wish I knew at which point upon the folk that we are in search of are to be found. I think I could lay my finger on it, said Holmes quietly. Really now, cried the inspector, you've formed your opinion. Come now, we'll see who agrees with you. I say it's south, for the country is more deserted there. And I say east, said my patient. I am for west, remarked the plain clothesman. 
There are several quiet little villages up there. And I am for north, said I, because there are no hills there. And our friend says he did not notice the carriage go up any. Come, cried the inspector, laughing. It is a very pretty diversity of opinion. We've boxed the compass among us. Who do you give your casting vote to? You are all wrong. But we can't all be. Oh, yes, you can. This is my point. He placed his finger in the center of the circle. This is where we shall find them. But the twelve-mile drive, gasped Hatherley. Six out, six back. Nothing simpler. You say yourself the horse was fresh and glossy when you got in. How could it be that if it had gone twelve miles over heavy roads? Indeed, it's likely a ruse enough, observed Bradstreet thoughtfully. Of course, there can be no doubt as to the nature of this gang. None at all, said Holmes. They are coiners on a large scale and have used the machine to form the almagram, which has taken the place of silver. We've known for some time that a clever gang was at work, said the inspector. They've been turning out half-crowns by the thousands. We even traced them as far as Reading, but could get no further, for they had covered their traces in a way that showed they were very old hands. But now, thanks to this lucky chance, I think we've got them right enough. But the inspector was mistaken. For those criminals were not designed to fall into the hands of justice. As we rolled into Eiford Station, we saw a gigantic columns of smoke which streamed up from behind a small clump of trees in the neighborhood and hung like an immense ostrich feather over the landscape. A house on fire, asked Bradstreet as the train steamed off again on its way. Yes, sir, said the station master. When did it break out? I hear it was during the night, sir, but it's gotten worse. The whole place is ablaze. Whose house is it? Uh, Dr. Beecher's. Tell me, broke in the engineer, is Dr. Beecher a German, very thin, with a long, sharp nose? The station master laughed heartily. <laughs> no, sir, Dr. Beecher is an Englishman, and there isn't a man in the parish who has a better-lined waistcoat. But he has a gentleman staying with him, a patient, as I understand, who is a foreigner. He looks as if he's a good Berkshire beef would do him no harm. Oh, the station manager had not finished his speech before we were all hastening in the direction of the fire. The road topped the low hill, and there was a great widespread whitewashed building in front of us, spouting fire at every chink and window while in the garden, in front, three fire engines were vainly striving to keep the flames under. "'That's it!' cried Hatherley, in intense excitement. "'There's the gravel drive, and there are the rose bushes where I lay. That second window is the one that I jumped from.' "'Well, at least,' said Holmes, "'you've had your revenge upon them. There can be no question that it was your oil lamp which, when it was crushed in the press,' set fire to the wooden walls, though no doubt they were too excited in the chase after you to observe it at the time. Now, 
Keep your eyes open in this crowd of your friends last night, though I very much fear they are a good hundred miles off by now. And Holmes' fears came to be realized, for from that day this no word has ever been heard of either the beautiful woman, the sinister German, or the morose Englishman. Early that morning, a peasant, met a cart containing several people in some very bulky boxes, driving rapidly in the direction of Reading. But there were all traces of the fugitives had disappeared, and even Holmes' ingenuity failed ever to discover the least clue to their whereabouts. The firemen had been pretty perturbed at the strange arrangements what they'd found within, still more so by discovering a newly severed human thumb upon a window sill of the second floor. About sunset, however, their efforts were at last successful, and they subdued the flames, but not before the roof had fallen in, and the whole place had been reduced to such an absolute ruin that, save some twisted cylinders and iron piping, not a trace remained of the machinery which had cost our unfortunate acquaintance so dearly. Large masses of nickel and of tin were discovered stored in an outhouse. No coins were to be found, which may have explained the presence of those bulky boxes which have been already referred to. How our hydraulic engineer had been conveyed from the garden to the spot where he recovered his senses might have remained forever a mystery were it not for the soft mold which told us a very plain tale. He'd evidently been carried down by two persons, one of whom had remarkably small feet, and the other unusually large ones. On the whole, it was most probable the silent Englishman, being less bold or less murderous than his companion, had assisted the woman to bear the unconscious man out of the way of danger. Well, said our engineer ruefully, as we took our seats to return once more to London. It's been a pretty business for me. I've lost my thumb, and I've lost a fifty-guinea fee. And what have I gained? Experience, said Holmes, laughing. Indirectly, it may be of value. You know, you have only to put it into words to gain the reputation of being excellent company for the remainder of your existence. Adventure 10 will be coming up on our next stream, the Adventure of the Noble Bachelor, it's called. All right. Thanks for popping by. Thanks for listening in to the podcast and our live stream video replay. We are on rumble.com, twitch.tv, Facebook, and YouTube. Find us over there and please do like and subscribe and find us on your favorite podcast platform. I will see you again on Monday night. Till then, this is the Jay Sheldon Show. Good night. Good night.